this is Anna. Welcome to ReaderPod Podcast. Thank you so much for talking with me. I'm so pleased. This is like an absolute dream. Uh, my pleasure. It's thrill- I'm thrilled to be here with you and talking. It's been a little while in between chats about Emporium. <laughs> yes, I know. That's why I honestly did not think that you would take the time to chat to me. You'll oh, be coming no. out in March. Always thrilled, always thrilled to chat about books. <laughs> I really appreciate it. But you must be busy working on other projects. I know that you got into a new degree. Yeah, a new degree starts at the end of this month in um, design, which I've always wanted to do, or actually illustration, um, fine arts degree. So that'll be lots of fun. Um, and I have my fingers in two other writing projects, but I am actively also writing my third novel. So, yeah, busy girl. <laughs> so it's a hard book to try to give an elevator pitch to, isn't it? I think a new shop comes to the suburb of Boona, which is, of course, where you live, but it's not just any old shop. It's a magical shop. How do you describe it? It's yeah. such a beautiful book. Thank you. Yeah. Actually, interestingly enough, we were having a little bushwalk on the weekend for my husband's birthday and um, somebody cool. popped up next to me on the walk. And so I had a practice at this little elevator pitch because she asked me what the book was about. <laughs> so this is basically how I describe it. I say to people that it's about a magical shop that arrives in the town of Boona called the Emporium. And the reason the shop is unique is that it offers you one last opportunity to have a phone call with a long lost loved one. Or you can buy vintage wares or other goods that physically connect you to somebody you've lost or maybe a lost opportunity or a lost dream or anything really that you might be grieving that has, yeah, that has been taken from your life or you didn't have a chance to do earlier in your life. So that's the book in a nutshell. But of course, it's about the characters and their story and their journeys with the Emporium. It's such a beautiful nutshell, such a beautiful story. I really think in addition to just being uplifting and beautiful, it's also really heart-wrenching and I think you've just touched on that there. It is about loss and grieving and the process of grief. For me, the book really is about a lost opportunity and so when I was reading it all the way through, all I was thinking was my podcast and the, the dreams that I've put to one side because I wasn't good enough to do them, which is so funny. Nobody else could possibly have had that reaction to the book but it couldn't be more pronounced for me uh, that's so beautiful to hear Anna that you were able to you know connect with the story and the themes in the story and and that I, I think that's the magic of books is that you know what is one person's you know view on the world is like a hand that sort of reaches out to other people and says what about you you know what does it look like for you and um, like you said you connected to it with your podcast so that's pretty cool oh I think it's just such a magical experience uh, which reading is isn't it but just that everybody's going to take something differently from such a personal beautiful book um, so it centres around Enoch and Erlitich coming to the town. Um, now, I really loved Enoch. I think he was just such a beautiful character. I know from following you through social media, which I think I've been a friend of yours on social media for years now, he is a fair bit based on your family. Yeah, so little Enoch is 10 years old. He's uh, one of the POV or main point of view characters in the book. Um, the youngest one and the only uh, little one in the book but yeah he's grieving the recent loss of his father and I won't give away anything but basically he feels quite responsible for that loss and he's not going to tell anybody why of course because that's the secret that he carries and it's quite a burden on his very young shoulders and yeah it is actually very much based off uh, my middle son so my middle son now is 14 years old (laughs) but when he was 10 years old he was very much like Enoch so we often say 
say about my middle son, Cyrus, that he's this multicolored crayon in the box of life. He's just this out of the box, big hearted, big personality child that people are just naturally drawn to. Um, so quite a lot of what actually happens to Enoch in the book actually happened to my son, Cyrus. So when you get to the part in the book about uh, the fact that Enoch has a coconut, a pet coconut, in fact, that is a true story. And I don't know if you could ever make that up. I don't know if you could. <laughs> Life presents you with some stranger than fiction uh, stories sometimes, and that's one of them. Um, Cyrus does, in fact, have a pet coconut. Um, and my husband did actually save the pet coconut as is outlined in the story. So many of the cool things that happened to Enoch uh, happened to Sci-Sci and I did actually ask him permission if I could put them in the book um, well, without to. having to pay him anything. <laughs> He's not getting any of the fun. No royalties. <laughs> no royalties. But, yeah, no, he was happy. Um, I think it's really nice to have, as an author, one of the little things you get to do is sort of tuck away personal or precious stories inside your novels and it's like a little time capsule that you get to keep because they're in print so (laughs) it's going to be so incredible imagine reading that story as a man when Cyrus is 40 (laughs) and has forgotten how multicolored he was it's just going (laughs) to Well, I hope he hasn't changed too much. I hope by that stage he's doing something equally outside the box and looks back and says, oh, yes, there I am, and I was just the same. So even the trip to the camel farm, um, which the boy's grandmother takes them on uh, towards the end of the story, also actually happens. We have a camel farm just outside of Boona and some of the funny little moments in there. Yeah, my boys are just fodder for literature, (laughs) I think. Just, Just put them on record and you've got... Some of the most quirky stories and quirky conversations you could ever have. So thanks to them, yeah, <laughs> it's in the book. <laughs> this book also centered around your relationship with your nanny, which I think you must be so hesitant to keep talking about. And I'm so sorry to ask you, but it's no, just so be. beautiful. Thank you. Um, no, it's actually, I mean, there is sadness there, obviously. For those who don't know, um, my grandmother, I lost her to cancer in April of goodness last year or year mm. before God, what are we 2020 yeah 20 so 2029 2019 I think you know what the years go by so fast it feels like oh. yesterday but it also feels like a lot of time has passed too anyway I lost her to cancer and um she was particularly important in my life because of my childhood which was quite difficult um she was just one of those bright sunshiny spaces and also just full of this unconditional love for me ever since I was a little girl right through you know until uh, in my adult life and until she left so I guess when I was writing the story and obviously the story was about grief I was thinking about my own grief and at the time it was a living grief because I was watching her we knew that we were going to lose her to cancer it wasn't going to be survivable and she was 84 and so she had lived this this gorgeous life it's just that you know she's my nanny and and you just don't take nannies from their granddaughters and so it just I was personally offended I was like this can't be happening you know you can't take nanny not nanny um but of course cancer doesn't pick and choose it just takes whomever and um it is unfair so my living grief is watching her you know every day she would be sicker some days she seemed to be better and then other days not and then And then just, you know, the way in which the world handles grief, like I don't think as a society we do it real well. We certainly don't talk about it. Um, It's one of those things either we don't want to talk about the fact that, in fact, you know, we are actually all dying 
Um, it's sort of a topic we don't want to talk about. Or we just don't know what to do with other people's grief, you know. We don't know how to be there with them in that. So, yeah, I wove that into the story too because grief is is so multi-layered and it's it's so many different shades and textures and I wanted to explore it without it all being heavy and dark. So there's a lot of hope in Oh, there's an joy. awful lot of hope in there and there's a lot of sweetness and a lot of light. But yeah. in particular, like the Owner's Guide to Grieving book that's in the novel is a wonderful tool that really connects the whole community and and it's just a wonderful way of talking about grief. It's our Western way of looking at grief. You're so spot on. It's not good enough. Mm, really not. And we do, we do tend to leave each other alone in, in mm. our grieving. You know, after that very small amount of time where there's a funeral and then perhaps maybe for a couple of weeks after people get, you know, the meatloaf and the flowers and perhaps some other meals and then two, three weeks after the passing of funeral of someone, that's kind of it. And then no one really wants to bring it up again for fear maybe of saying the wrong thing or maybe making that person upset. And whilst perhaps those things are noble within themselves, what it does is it kind of says to the other person, it's not okay for you to talk about it anymore or I'm not okay for you to talk about it anymore. And it leaves them alone, you know, if you don't have anyone to talk to about it, even just the happy things. Like there are many beautiful, happy memories about my nanny. I love, I actually love talking about it because it keeps her memory alive. I get to share, you know, on this podcast with you and your listeners about her. And so she lives on, you know, and so although it's sad, it's also joyful to remember those who've passed. And grieving is actually a beautiful thing because grieving says, I have loved. If you haven't loved you're not grieving because yeah. <laughs> you don't care about things that you've lost that you that you didn't love or weren't. That you didn't people. care, yeah. yeah. If I didn't love her dearly, there would be no grief, you know. So grieving is a beautiful thing that lets us know we've loved and it lets us know we have been loved, you know. Like the reason that I'm so close to her is because she was she was personally so close to me. It was like this beautiful warmth of a hug that was our relationship, so so grieving is precious, yeah. And, yeah, The Owner's Guide to Grieving. So it's this, for those people who don't know, I haven't read the book yet, it's this little book within a book. And the book sort of makes its way around the township of Boona and it sort of arrives to people at the right time. They find it at the right time. And inside the book, people have the opportunity to do two things. One, they can read about other people's grief, so other people's loss and how they're going and what, how they maybe how they coped. They mm-hmm. also have the opportunity to write about their own grief. So they don't have to write their name. Some people just put their initials. Mm-hmm. Um, they could write anonymously if they wanted or they could put their first name or whatever feels right for them. But it's a chance to talk about it. And for a lot of people in my novel, it's for a lot of those characters, it's the very first time they've been able to talk about some griefs and it's it's quite healing. And it starts to sort of connect the community and they're like, oh, and they start reaching out to each other. Yeah, that was the part that I really loved yeah. in there when they start reading each other's notes and replying back and saying, you know, I can help with this or I can tell you stories about that or wait until yeah. it's just... Or meet me at the pub and we'll yeah. have a chat. Come along to our group and, you know, we'd love to meet you. Basically just you're not alone. Like what if in our grieving we didn't have to be alone? And that was sort of the question I was asking all the way through the book is but what if you don't have to be alone? It's such a beautiful book. And it does obviously cover some very serious, very sad topics, but also the um, there's a lot of whimsy in there as well. There's a lot of funness. The ladybirds, the lollipops. Yeah. I love the grass that was growing, the rainbows, <laughs> and the... Um, yeah. 
the exploding. So when the shop has a bit of a chanty towards the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the shop is really a character within itself. And, um, you know, when the Emporium uh, opens up, of course, everything is, is okay. But as the book goes along, it's clear things are not right. And I'm not going to tell you too much about it. But, yes, we have, you know, exploding cupcakes and, you know, all sorts of interesting things that happen within the store. The Emporium itself is trying to communicate with people. Um, you know, it's been travelling the world with Erlitage for many, many years and it arrives in many townships where it's needed. So it sort of has a consciousness of its own, if you like, and knows what it's doing. And so it, sure it, does. it leads to some fun moments. Um, it was certainly fun to write. I let my imagination run a muck. <laughs> <laughs> So All the things I wished, like what if there was a store where you walked in and there was like live grass growing on the floor? How cool would that be? You'd want to so take your cool. shoes off immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I do think, I mean, as a business owner, and I think I love my shop probably more than more than I should, but for me, <laughs> I think um, the magic, and I think it's even on the tagline of the cover, I meant to check. A little bit of magic. A little bit that. of magic. But like, mm. so you can walk into the shop and you can either see it as being a normal shop that's just selling the vintage things or you can see it as a as a chance to reconnect with lost ones you see the magic or you don't I think that's exactly it's a lovely yeah I mean I think that's the way with magic in life isn't it I mean I actually believe in what I call an ordinary magic which is the magic that exists here in the everyday that we see oh my life is magic <laughs> Me too. Um, you know, right from those little tiny moments of just simple things like, you know, noticing a ladybug on a leaf, all the way through to the impossible things that I feel have happened in my own life. You know, just the fact that I made it through my childhood, married an amazing man, have this beautiful family that I love. Um, statistically, that shouldn't have happened. You know, statistically, I should have um, married someone violent and repeated past family patterns. But I didn't. And so, you know, I call that an ordinary magic, a, a beautiful magic that exists here in the everyday. So I think that's the shop. The shop says, you know, if you're ready to see something a little bit outside of the normal, then come inside and you'll see it. But if those who are not looking for magic can't find it, you know. But if you are, you will. And I think that's true of life. That is said so well, Tabitha Bird. That's, that's <laughs> incredible. That's exactly what this whole novel offers, I think. Yeah. I agree. I think so too. And and I like the whimsy within it. A lot of people have said they weren't expecting to find whimsy uh, within my books um, because I do deal with some, you know, real life and perhaps a bit heavier topics within my novels. But I think if you're going to do that for me personally, then it, the dark needs to be balanced by lots of light and lots of hope and lots of joy and lots of moments to have a good laugh during a novel as well. Um, and, you know, as I'm writing it, I want to have lots of good laughs. <laughs> You know, I just asked my husband, I'm often chuckling along to my own writing as I'm writing. I don't know if you're supposed to do that as an author, but I do. Well, <laughs> surely that would be the fun. only way to do it. Goodness me, you <laughs> spend countless, countless yeah, hours I, on a novel. If you're not you do. through it. That's right. If it's all if it's all just darkness, I don't really see the point. Um, me my want to offer the hope and the light and the joy. Um, that's the point of the novels. The point is that, you know, yeah, some crappy things can happen in this life, but there's so much hope and there's so much joy if you just keep going. So, you know, that's my personal belief. So it, it turns up in my books. 
Oh, absolutely. But your novels really do, like they, they cover some, some serious issues. Um, the childhood trauma that's wrestled with in the impossible days versus the grief in this one, you wouldn't think that they were so sweet and so lovely and so kind. And I mean, Yeah, I've had that comment well. from a lot of people after they've read it. They were like, oh, I just was not expecting to find the joy and the hope and the lightness within these books, but I did and I found them to be, in, you know, intensely, you know, even helpful or, you know, and, and connected with people. And I think that's, you know, that's such a um, that's such a beautiful thing for an author to hear. So I'm glad. I'm glad that they're mm. out there doing that. <laughs> yeah, I think that would have to be the main goal, wouldn't it? Like you really are just, you're after rainbow gold. This isn't just making you a living. This is just oh, so beautiful, such beautiful connections to be making between souls. Thank oh, you, so Anna, That's a gorgeous way. What is next? Yes. <laughs> what is next? What is next? Um, so what is next? Well, for me, there is a third book that is definitely on the go. Um, I do have some special news to share later in the year about that book, but I can't share it just yet. Oh, that's um, that one, it is exciting. Um, so that's that's really great. I, a lot of people, if you follow my social media, will know that I have a mental illness called bipolar type 2. Uh, bipolar is a spectrum disorder. We used to know it as manic depression or manic depressives. Um but that's actually just bipolar type one. There is actually five different um, bipolars on the spectrum. So I have bipolar type two, no less serious, no less debilitating, but um, not quite the same. Um, and for years, I've wanted to write about it in a way that, in a way that doesn't have a protagonist that's evil or not living a full and beautiful life because of their mental illness. Unfortunately, in the media when we come across books or movies where the character has mental illness, then they're the almost the antagonist, you know. Um, mm-hmm. They're the ones that have done some horrible thing because of their mental illness. And this just isn't a true representation of what it's like to live with mental illness, not just for me personally, but not even statistically. Mm-hmm. Um, statistically, people with mental illness are a lot more likely to have violence done to them than they ever are to commit violent acts. Really? And yet, yes, and yet the media would portray it that it was the other way around. Um, Absolutely. It's just statistically not true at all. It's really, it's a small percent. I don't know what the actual percent is, but, but it's, it's a very small percent. Yeah. It's a tiny. But it, yet it's used That's not as all a media representation. No, exactly. And, it's, it, and, you know, when we see a mental hospital, for example, in a movie, you know, it's depicted as this evil place where mm. bad things happen and people are forced. You know, I just, I think to myself, woman, you need help. And you see something like that, um, you know, maybe you don't go and help because you're too scared. Thank goodness that would be horrible. I don't want to go through that. And so that it just promotes stigma is my point. Movies yeah. and literature at the moment, a lot of it just promotes stigma around mental illness. So I've wanted to write for a long time that destigmatizes it and actually shows you, you know, people know me on social media and there are a lot of times they're very shocked to learn that I live with a mental illness because, quote, unquote, I'm so normal. Anyway, yeah, so the third book deals with that but in a, a beautiful um, way and it's also magical realism. So I'm really excited to write it. It's been a, it's, it's Oh, been a I'm super excited to read it. I had never yeah, thought of yeah. that, but it's so true. Whenever you see the the mental hospitals, even characters, they're always the baddies. They're usually they're always the bad characters. Yeah, they're frightened they're of them. These half lives, and they you know they don't have any hope or joy, and you know they're usually not married, or if they are, it's some horrendous relationship. And you know, it's just it's just so I'm so over it. I'm so mm. over it. It needs that that whole truth there just needs to die a sad death. We need to get some own voice stories in there that actually 
actually show you know what it's like and there are there are a lot of them coming through um which is good so i'm hoping to add my little story to that positive body of work so that's going to be the third one and then also i am actively working on my children's fiction so working on writing a children's picture book mm-hmm. and also on illustrating that so yeah that's a, another oh, thing on the side you are so busy yeah busy busy you know what they say keep the creative mind busy and then we won't get up to mischief (laughs) i can't guarantee that so you are everywhere on social media and very easy to find you're all across facebook instagram you're always updating it's always so uplifting thanks anna yeah i do share quite a lot i'm i am quite vulnerable with my posts you obviously don't get too much information and you don't you know i am careful with what i share especially around my family and my children um but i do like to actually show up authentically and mm, um I and think you do that that's the joy of it and and yeah make and make real connections with my readers so yeah absolutely do find me i am everywhere and I, I do actually have two accounts on facebook i will mention one of them is my personal facebook page and you will find my other one it's tabitha ann bird author that's the one where i'm happy to connect with readers so please do please do jump on i'd love to meet you all uh anna it's been my pleasure it's, it's so nice i was actually hoping with this second book that i might get to come down again and visit you guys and do another launch but stupid covid hasn't allowed us to do any of that it was heartbreaking reading the story i was thinking of all the things that we could do for when you do come and visit and how magical we could make it and the grouse that we could have between the couches and anyway hopefully we'll still get to do it Anna will just like postpone it a little and we'll still get to do it but um you know I think I don't need to rush and do every sort of no and it's not a book that's going anywhere either this is going to be just as relevant in five years time so who cares it's going to be perfect hopefully maybe end of the year or maybe even early next year depends on how the world goes but hopefully we'll get to come down again because it was so joyful coming down to you last time oh bless well we loved it thank you so much Boo. thank you so much have a great day tabitha yeah thank you too not appreciate it more. i'll great get out of town okay so thanks for listening please rate review and subscribe see you next time on read a pod podcast